living God is still speaking through these holy texts, and it can occasionally be quite the ride. But for me this week, um, it's right here in verse 7. Those first three words. When he noticed. When he noticed. There are other translations that might say something along the lines of uh, when he marked, when he saw, or um, remarking to them. But they all clearly translate um, this baseline fact that Jesus is watching something happen. Verse 1 of the same chapter says that one Sabbath, on one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal, they were watching him closely. But the reality is, oh no, my friends, God is watching us. I had to catch myself. God is watching us. It's not from a distance, as 1990s Bette Midler would have us sing. From a distance. You're with me? Everybody knows? Okay. Whatever. It's not from a distance. But the reality of this moment, and as it's reflected in Scripture and our understanding of God, is that God is watching and has always been watching. From the beginning of creation, God has watched. God has been taking notes. And it's in this moment and in this time when Jesus, God incarnate, is in the house of a person who is probably planning to kill him, a prominent Pharisee, leader of the Pharisees, And based on the visible actions of the people present and the nonsense they're doing, Jesus decides to lay out a lesson in table manners. And I started giggling. I started giggling to myself because Jesus is so sassy and confrontational. I know he's talking about humility and being humble and exalting his things, but you gotta remember, he's saying it into the face of the same people who will later have him crucified. That's who he's talking to. Jesus is speaking in parables about the dining etiquette in the kingdom of God to those who are trying to manipulate him. This Pharisee thinks that he's got one up on Jesus. Jesus, come to my house, into my kitchen, into my dining room where I set the rules where I lay out the dishes and the table, where my servants will be present. This is my space that I'm inviting Jesus in. So Jesus is going to have to do what I say in my space. And I think we all kind of do that in some capacity at some point. He's trying to manipulate Jesus. He thinks he's going to be able to observe or intimidate Jesus in some capacity. But as we read here in Scripture, Jesus can see what's happening and says, oh, no, 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 no. Jesus isn't interested in doing that, isn't interested in simple pleasantries, talking about the weather or being manipulated. My friends, the omniscient God will always have the upper hand. And when God comes to dinner, God is comfortable leading the conversation. 
sometimes in places where we may not want it to go. You cannot sneak anything past Jesus. Because if you've been watching humanity since the dawn of creation, there's literally nothing you haven't seen before. And when you finally get a moment alone with some of the prominent troublemakers of that time, the people who are literally planning your future execution, you're going to have a few things planned out to say. You're going to come prepared to that dinner. And to me, I think that's why we see the same message repeated both to and about the Pharisees throughout Scripture. This is a message that God wants to convey clearly. In Matthew 21 and 22, where these words are echoed, Jesus is flipping over tables in the temple. He's speaking to the crowd, to the chief priests, the elders, and the Pharisees. And scripture says the Pharisees, they're hearing these parables, and they realize he was speaking about them. Because of such, they wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because the crowds regarded him as a prophet. In Luke 18, where the repetition of that line about being humble and exalting, um, that's actually in the midst of a parable about a tax collector and a Pharisee. These parables that Jesus is speaking to this group, they're not just simple rules for dining that keep you from embarrassing yourself in public. And they're not literal notes on how to throw a formal dinner party. They are hard critiques of how the Pharisees had been exalting themselves before God and the people, and how they have used their wealth, their position, and their resources for personal gain. And this is such an important message from God to God's people that it is repeated and expounded upon in multiple places throughout Scripture. Jesus will even go on to list the woes of the Pharisees, and that's found in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, in Matthew chapter 23, Luke 11 and 20, and Mark 12. At this dinner, Jesus is watching them closely. God is watching closely. The Holy Spirit is watching closely as the ills of humanity continue to lead all of creation into new cycles of sin. The beautiful thing, though, is that God's about to put an end to all this. God's had enough of this nonsense. From the fruit in the garden to the need for an ark, the Tower of Babel, the wanderings in the desert into the eras of judges and kings through famines, extinctions, the crusades, enslavement, world wars. God has watched us closely. And every time our own greed, our selfishness, our power and our sin have brought us to the brink. God has provided a savior. From Noah on the ark 
to Abraham and his children, to Joseph and the famine, through Moses, through the sea, through Joshua, the same sea, through judges, through kings, the prophets, God has repeatedly provided their people with a path towards salvation and all the while has been leading us to this table, to this meal, to this banquet where God is about to do a new thing. Today, just as then, God is with us for an important meal. Through our confessions and thanksgivings, God is reminding us that our cycles of sin, our lust for power, position, and personal gain are contrary to the gospel. This is a banquet table where Christ is waiting to be wed to the full body that is the church. This is a feast where each of us is asked to humble ourselves before God and one another so that we might be exalted and moved up to a better place. It is a celebratory meal that is open to children with their elbows on the table. That is open to the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and to all those who seek to live at peace with one another. At this meal, Jesus is not just watching. God is not just watching. The Holy Spirit is not just watching, but they are waiting. They are here now. And the rules for this meal, while simple, are written in blood. And although they have nothing to do with napkins, utensils, elbows, or plates, there is still a proper manner in which we are encouraged to approach this table. And that is by way of humble repentance and exuberant thanksgiving. As Paul and Timothy wrote to all the saints in Christ Jesus in Philippi, they said, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. But Christ emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thanks be to God. Amen.